0: So today I'm going to press into the goodness of God, which I think is the revelation that God has brought, is wanting to bring to me, but I think to all of us. But in order to go there, I think one of the biggest aspects of the goodness of God is that it's about a personal revelation. We can talk about it conceptually at some level, but there comes a moment in all our lives where we have to encounter him and his goodness repeatedly, daily, monthly, yearly for ourselves and that is the living reality of the life of faith. So I'm going to start with more of a personal journey and I know it will be far removed from some people's journeys, maybe touch on aspects of others and maybe closer to home for others. I know the spectrum of journey we're in is is vast. So hear this as me sharing how I'm encountering the goodness of God rather than as Necessarily, my circumstances applicable to everyone. I'm very aware that we have a vast range of experiences in this season. So before uh, the COVID-19 season, there were three strands to my life. And for the last 10 years, I found it an excruciating journey to deal with them. I'm a very wholehearted person, as many of you will know, and I don't really do part-time very well. So for me, these three strands... Uh, are limitless, are endless, and to do one of them well would have been how I would have organized my life. So one of them is is having a great home, having a great marriage, having great kids, having being able to enjoy being with them and being able to host in our home, to build community, to connect with friends and extended family. That whole I guess, relational friendship side of life, but particularly operating out of the home. That would be, for me, is more than a full-time job to do that well, to kind of do the bedding relatively regularly, to keep the towels clean and all that stuff. So that that's how I would have seen that area of my life. I would have seen that as more than a full-time job. Then the other area is Chris and I are co-pasturing Hope, which is one of the great privileges of our lives. And again... How I would have done it is I would have been in regular contact with every woman in the last 10 years, really regularly, meeting up loads, having deep chats, hanging out, having meals together, doing... I'm going to try and use this microphone as well to see if this improves your audio experience. That, that, it wasn't creepy, but it was close. Anyway, yeah, so that second area of wanting to connect with every woman at hope, see everyone thriving, flourishing, being able to pray for people, bring prophetic words, get everyone's birthdays, all that all that stuff. That's how I would naturally see that that calling in my life. And it's what I want to do. It's it's my heart. I love you, I love your creativity. You, all of you inspire me in the decisions you make in your lives and I like being with you. And so that's the secondary and that's part of what it looks like to co pastor hope or part of what I would have thought it would look like. And then the third area is another piece of work that I feel God's called me to do, which again has limitless potential. So for the last 10 years before COVID-19, my I felt this excruciating journey of seeing what I feel is three full-time, more than full-time roles in one integrated life. And It is and has felt impossible and I've had to, in order to access what I feel God has for me, had to surrender, have to trust him, have to hear his voice and so on. And there is an intensity to that but I think I kind of got to a place of, okay, this is how it can work although there's always more in all those areas And then COVID-19 hit and each of those areas increased in intensity. And yes, absolutely, there are some things that changed because some things are not permitted anymore in terms of restricting meetings and so on like that. But the, 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 the feeling of intensity of what those roles or gifts or calling could now become didn't Decrease, they increase, they none of them can be furloughed because they have momentum of their own and need stewardship. So the first area has obviously shifted dramatically because home learning is now part of that. And I, I love that. You know, that's a, an amazing privilege. It's an amazing freebie. I know it's a freebie. We probably wouldn't go down the homeschooling route because we're connected and feel core very much within our local community but actually it's an amazing privilege and gift to have a season in our life where we can do that a bit more have that time together a bit more process learning a bit more and then obviously we transitioned online with Hope and that does shift things but in my desire my heart would i would phone up every single woman at hope and have a massively deep chat about how everything's going maybe pray prophetic words maybe drop some surprise goodies at people's at your doors and that's what i would naturally do if i was doing nothing else in this season because it is an intense season and i'm aware of that intensity for everyone and then in the other area as well it's building momentum and 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 requires decent chunks of headspace rather than sort of a half an hour here or an hour there and so those two weeks before the Easter holidays just hit a level of intensity that I not previously hit because those three areas suddenly shifted up a gear, and I hit the impossible and and in some ways it's felt impossible for years but I felt maybe a a new level of the impossible in terms of living life well, living according to absolutely those choices we've made. I'm a great believer in taking full responsibility that we made those choices in our lives, but also that they were specific words that God called us into those three areas. And so just hitting the impossible in those three strands. And then the 8am the prayers came, which were abs- have been absolutely fantastic. We've loved every single person. Our children find it hilarious because every day we're like, who is it? Who is it? And then we guess. And then Chris puts on this massive, like, 90s speaker and it booms <laughs> around the room. And we're like, who is it? Who is it? And we never guess it right. I don't know why. And then we're like, oh, it's them. I love them. And Ben's just like, you love everyone. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it's so exciting. So we love our morning prayers. From hope. And every single day someone has ministered, God has ministered to me through whoever's speaking. I just want to draw out three which have spoken prophetically into this journey. The first one is Dan saw a while ago, I think it was during that season of intensity where we were shifting everything online and home learning began, where he spoke about this is a season where God wants to reveal his goodness. And I just knew he was saying, that's the overarching word for me. He wants to reveal his goodness to me. And then more recently, Natasha this week spoke about God revealing his goodness and that place of contentment in the abundance, in the plenty, and in the want, and in, in, in the need, and the scarcity. And then yesterday, Andrew spoke about, really, that when, when new things happen in our lives that's the time of greatest vulnerability and potentially greatest dependence on God. And we see that, that people come to faith between 13 and 25, more than any other demographic or any other age and stage, because that's the age of newness. It's new life. It's it's the first time we're approaching adulthood. So that's the time we tend to come to faith and start to follow Jesus more than any other time. Then perhaps after having children, because that that's a more vulnerable time as well. And then really the next Big time that people come to faith in Jesus is when they're approaching death, which is obviously the beginning of the greatest newness of all for all of us. And so newness tends to be an invitation for relational connection. But as soon as it's normalised, we tend to lose our dependence on God because we've worked out how to do life again in this new normal without him. And it suddenly hit me absolutely bang on that I'd never seen before but it's been my absolute journey for at least 10 years is the whole point of my life is it's impossible that is the life of faith there is no other way to follow Jesus but in the realm of the impossible where it feels impossible he I see three strands and he just sees one plat one integrated life and his spirit enables me to navigate them in a way that works best for me and for everyone else I'm in the spirit rather than in my own human understanding of what things look like. So that is how he's revealing his goodness to me. By a daily, I have to just cry out to God and say, I can't do this. I don't get how I can do today But and steward all those things well. But you do. You have the wisdom to hold the universe and sustain it. You know how to plant my life and make it one integrated life. And then every day, I cry out to him. And then every day, at some point in the day, he breaks through. I, or he's always there. But I break through in terms of an encounter into his goodness. Now, a little example is yesterday. We love nature. And one of our non-negotiables is to do a family walk in nature every day. And yesterday, we were in a woods which we love. And it has a few bluebells, which is special. And for me, uh, the whole bluebell season, I've actually written a blog on it in the past Speaks to me of the goodness of God, his faithfulness. That we, that whatever's going on in the world, in a, in main, most English woods, at some point around this time of year, you can find a carpet of bluebells, and it's absolutely extraordinary and comforting and reassuring and beautiful. And there's something humble about it. To me, speaks of God almost more than any other aspect of the natural world. Very personally, there's something about bluebell woods. Anyway, we were walking along in this woods, we weren't particularly looking for bluebells, we were appreciating it somewhere around, and suddenly Ben ran back towards us and interrupted our conversation with, There is a pool of blue. And we looked up to our left on this beautiful incline. The tall the trees were really tall with their spring green, bright green leaves and the early, late afternoon sun just coming through them, and they and they just landed, the sun landed on this shimmering haze of blue. It was absolutely extraordinary possibly the best bluebell wood I've seen in my entire life and I look out for them every single year and it was again a little moment where he was personally saying to me I'm good and and I I love you and I know you very personally and I'm revealing my goodness to you in this season so my struggle my mindset my repentance my change of mindset is to come into agreement that this is a season where he wants to reveal his goodness to me. And Paul and all the New Testament writers would agree with this. Paul says this extraordinary statement. He says, where sin abounds, grace abounds the more. And sin, we can replace that with sickness or disease or economic breakdown or fallout. Where those things abound, the things that are destructive in this temporal age abound, grace abounds the more. His goodness has the first word. And his goodness is the final word. So, of course, he wants to reveal his goodness to me in this season. Of course, that is his vision for me in this season. So now I'm going to read a passage from Peter's encounter with Jesus and and then make this maybe more broadly applicable. But I wanted you to hear my personal story and encounter into the goodness of God, which is simply we have to be postured in the impossible to encounter his goodness. If we're postured in the possible, we're still living under our own understanding and our own control. But if we want to access the goodness of God, we have to say yes to the impossible words he puts in our life. And we're going to see here how that isn't just for me, that is for everyone. That's the way he works. So it's a beautiful encounter, one of the earliest encounters Jesus has with one of his closest friends, Peter. One of his key followers, he becomes a leader and eventually a a martyr. He gives up his life for following Jesus in the first century AD. And this is one of the early encounters where he's still a fisherman. He was brought up in it. His father, his grandfather's business on a lake called Galilee in the northern region of Israel. And Jesus, this rabbi, this teacher, that, his, that people are beginning to say possibly is, is more, possibly he's a prophet. John the Baptist is saying he's the Messiah. His brother Andrew is beginning to follow him. So this man's beginning to shake the environment. And he encounters Peter after he's done a hard night's work fishing. I'm going to read this. It's from Luke 5, 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to, to Peter, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So sitting by the shore, he takes Peter's boat, brings a a preach in it, and then says to Peter personally afterwards, go back out and let down your nets for a catch of fish. Now, Jesus comes from a building background, a construction. He is not a fisherman. Peter's the professional fisherman in the conversation. But there's something clearly about Jesus that is catching Peter's attention, even at his early stage. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, typically the time when they would go fishing, not in the daytime, and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full. That they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. And I want to draw out three particular aspects from that passage in Luke. I want to draw out three particular aspects from that passage in Luke about this this invitation that he's calling all of us to, to encounter his goodness. Firstly, we have to give him our boat. At some point in this encounter... Peter's got out of his boat, he's cleaning his nets, and Jesus gets into the boat and ministers the word of God. At some point, we have to give him that thing. Now, it could be, literally, our business, our finances, our economy. For Peter, that's what that boat symbolised. He trusted Jesus at that point with his boat. Now, he probably wouldn't have been using it, so he wasn't trusting him at the moment of industry. But he was giving Jesus permission to sit in the very heart of where he operated his business from. Where his livelihood came from, where his family, his food came from, where his identity, his occupation came from. He gave that to Jesus. Jesus sat in the boat, as was their custom, and taught from there. So the first thing for all of us, this journey of encountering the goodness of God, is we've got to give Jesus our boat. Now, that boat could be our, our profession or our financial source of income. It also could be, and I think in my case, it was how I could work out my life. That, for me, was the rub, the excruciating struggle. My boat was my life, and I was like, I can't work it out. I can't work out how this is all going to go together, and I can steward well all these three areas. So I had to just give him the boat, the empty boat. For us, other of us, it could represent an area of, of barrenness or disappointment in our lives, where things are not turning out what we want, how we wanted it to. You know, they'd fished all night and got nothing, and that is frustrating, it is painful, it's disappointing, and potentially, in Peter's case will, could, they could at some point face starvation if that continued. So that's also the boat we could be giving to Jesus. That area of our lives that isn't, isn't working out as we wanted it to. They worked hard all night and didn't catch a single fish. And for seasoned fishermen, that is devastating. So we give them that boat. Surrender. And I, I suggest that's a daily, hourly action, heart posture a context, just a way of life. It's like Pilates. The inner core stability is surrender. The inner place is, I trust you with the boat. I trust you with the boat. I trust you with the boat. The second thing that then happens in this remarkable story is Peter hears the impossible word. Jesus speaks an impossible word to him. Go out and put your nets out and catch some fish. That is an impossible word, because Peter knows it's an impossible word. All night he's tried to catch fish, and it's not called any. It's now daylight, you don't catch fish in the day. But something in Peter had the spark, the faith, there was something about Jesus, something about the context, maybe something about the words he'd just heard, or what was happening with his brother, or what they'd seen of John the Baptist, the the movement around them of faith, that he, something in him went, this is an impossible word, but there's something in him, Jesus, because you say so, I'm going to go out and do it. And for, for me in my life and all of us in our lives, we have to remember and recall the impossible words. And I know he's spoken very specifically in all those three areas that that was his will for us. He spoke the impossible word. Of course, at the time, I didn't think of it as impossible because I didn't realise they would all be put together. But they're impossible words, but he spoke them. And when he speaks an impossible word... We can resist it, argue against it, refuse it. Or, like Peter, we can go, okay, because you said so, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go into the place of the impossible. So firstly, we surrender our boat to him. We let him take his place in our boat. And the second thing we do is we say yes to the impossible word. And that was a hassle. And that wasn't an easy thing. They were just cleaning out their nets. And restoring them, they needed to get dry again, they needed to get ready for the next night's work. It was a bit of a risk financially, they'd been doing a night shift, so it would have been a risk emotionally and physically. But because he said so, he spoke the impossible word, they got their nets back in, they went out. And then thirdly, that's where we encounter the goodness of God. That's where Peter encountered the goodness of God. He heard the word And he acted on it. He actually did something about it. And in the Bible, actually, hearing and obeying is the same. It's the same idea. To hear God is to do it. So he surrendered. He heard the word of impossible faith. He didn't refuse or ignore it. And we know he heard it because he acted on it. He got in the boat. He went out. And there he encountered God's goodness in saying yes to the impossible word. He encounters such a good such an abundance of fish that actually the boat begins to sink. He has to get his fishing partners and friends, James and John, they have to help too, and they are overwhelmed with the abundance that God has brought about in their personal daily lives, in their own industry, in their business, in the thing they do every day and have done every day growing up. That that is their life. This isn't some super spiritual sort of trans something that people have, spiritual experiences, you know. This is his daily life. This is going fishing because it's his livelihood and his business. And God breaks in and multiplies the fish. He speaks the language Peter spoke. And what's an interesting side note, and we see this all the way through scripture, is our old human condition believes the lie that God... Reveals our need for Him, but, of need for us. Yeah, our need for Him by punishing us or withholding from us or telling Him, I told you so. But actually you see through scripture, you see in this story, God actually reveals our need for Him by blessing us. There's a, a beautiful psalm where it says, because He forgives us, we fear Him. It's because He blesses us. It's because He gave Peter something that Peter knew deep down He didn't deserve. Yes, He'd worked hard all night, but He didn't deserve the abundant breakthrough. And actually that was the kindness of God revealing to Peter his need for Jesus. And he always reveals our need for him by blessing us, by drawing us in, by bringing an abundance in an area where we did not believe it was possible. Because he's kind and he's good and he doesn't operate according to our old human condition. He operates according to grace where he pours out unlimited favour on us simply because he wants to. And that's what he did with, with Peter in the very place of his struggle, of his devastation, of his frustration. And what's so beautiful about Peter is he heard Jesus and he acted on Jesus' word. And in that place he saw the breakthrough. This is the life of faith we've been called into. It's, it's, a, it's a life where we are invited into constant connection, communion with God and the only way the life of faith is possible is by living according to the voice of God not by trying to work out ourselves what's right and wrong which was essentially the problem in Eden it's, it's, it's feeding off the tree of life daily feeding off the words of Jesus daily and bringing, him, bringing us into the narrow road which is impossible humanly and which is in him and him alone he is the way where there is no way. He parts the Red Sea where there's a massive Red Sea. He is the light. He, he alone is the one who can lead us into a life that is works, that is functional, that is flourishing, that is sustainable, and that is as it is designed to be. So I'll finally end on a beautiful interaction between Moses and God right back in Exodus. He's just 1500 years earlier before this encounter. Moses is, has received the ten words of commandments from heaven. He's having um, a communion with God, a close time with God. And he says, now, Moses, now God, show me your glory. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure in ancient empires with ancient kings, glory would have looked a lot like might and power. It would have looked a lot like thunder and lightning. It would have looked like, a lot like drama. And that's incredible, and it has its place. But interestingly, Jesus sorry, God responds to Moses saying, "I will show you my goodness." What glorifies God the most is when we encounter His goodness, that He's always good, He's always for us, He's always wanting to take us into a place of impossible faith in order that we encounter the breakthrough and the abundance and the supernatural life that we cannot access in any other way so I bless us all today to say yes to that impossible word to hear that impossible word to have the courage to surrender our boat to let him get into our boat to say to hear the impossible word he's got for us very personally and the reason I shared my personal testimony was this is a personal encounter between Jesus and Peter he reveals his goodness very personally he's highly relational And he deals with us as individuals, as well as communities. Hear that word, and then whatever he asks you to do, act on it. And I absolutely guarantee we will all encounter the goodness of God. Every single day, I break through into his goodness. Yes, it's a wrestle. Yes, it's a struggle. Yes, it's not straightforward. But every single day, there's a moment where I go, yes. I'm encountering the goodness of God in a way... I know that if I tried to organise my own life, I never would have done. Bless you. May you encounter his goodness this week.
1: Thanks, Alice. I think sometimes when we uh, listen to a talk or we're reading the the Bible ourselves or whatever, um, sometimes we get a... Uh, a really specific sort of personal action, ah, something comes to mind. It's like, yeah, I need to do that. I need to change that. Other times, it's more like it's just a, it's just a healthy meal, and it's just, we, we couldn't necessarily pick out one or two things that have changed in our thinking, but it's like, ah, oh, I've had a good meal. I've been sustained. I've been reminded of the, the truth of God and the, and the big big story that I'm part of. So it might be either of those things for you today as you listen to this. There might be some specific stuff that you think... Yeah, that's, that's an action that I need to take. I can see that I'm holding on to my boat, or my business, or my whatever it is. Um, certain aspects of my life, my property. And, I, and actually, I, I can see there's an uncleanness to that, that I need to let go and move into a more of a trusting of God. And Lord, we pray for all of us. We just, um, if you agree with me, we just give you permission and ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal if there are things in our lives that we have an unclean hold on, uh, that sort of... Um, if, you know like, like the boat could potentially be like our business could potentially be our, our our means of provision and income and so on. We pray that you bring to mind uh, this week uh, Holy Spirit now or in the coming days uh, any of those things that are unclean and we want to we want to hand them over to you and if this is a new thing to us it 's hard it 's a hard thing actually to first uh, hand your life over to God because you're not sure if who he is, you've got some questions. But as we walk with Jesus more and more, it actually becomes easier, in a sense, to, to trust him because we see actually it really works. He's got a track record in this and that I've seen in my story, my history, how he's um, taken care of me. So, uh, Holy Spirit, we give you permission, we ask you to lead us uh, in that this week so that we can serve others and we can be a blessing to the world just as you designed from the beginning. Amen.